Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. Oh, new. Hey. How are you? Good. Um, Now we need you to start each podcast off with a different accent. Oh, God. Don't put that on me. Yes. Let's see how long it takes you to run out. Oh, God. Really quick. You can do a lot. Uh, You can do more than most. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. One word. Yeah, true. One word. Um, Yeah. So what's, what's been happening? Hmm. Well, honestly, I just can't stop thinking about that um, case that's really big right now, Gabby, Gabby Petito. Oh, yeah. I've seen a number of things about it since you mentioned it, but yeah. that is wild. I know. For those of you who don't know, I mean, I feel like how could you not at this point? It's all over the news, all over TikTok. But um, Gabby uh, and her fiance, Brian, were on like a van life trip, I guess, all throughout the country. And then in late August, he showed back up in florida in her van without her and then when the police were like where Where is she she She, he just kind of lawyered up and didn't say anything and now he's on the run and also people have speculated that he posted on her instagram to make it seem like you know she was still on instagram but you know nothing has there's no conclusion that has happened yet and he's currently on the run and i really hope that she turns up but i just can't stop thinking about it it's just uh it's one of those cases where it's like, I don't know, it's just happening right now. And I, yeah, I feel like we see so many people in like the, on social media that are just like her and like to think that she's missing is scary and sad. And I just feel for her friends and family. So yeah. Did he bolt before they had like uh, an arrest warrant? I think so. I, I could be wrong. There's new things that are, that come out like all the time. Um, but I know that they had a warrant, and I think he he got out of there before they really searched his house. I think. I could be wrong. He's looking mighty guilty. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he wasn't even going to say anything to begin with, and he's like, this is my lawyer. You can't hear anything from me. That's shady. Yeah. (laughs) And now people keep saying, or like news outlets keep saying he's missing. He's not missing. Bitch is on the run. You know? Gabby's missing. Let's not get it (laughs) twisted. Right. Crazy. Um, yeah, he's he's missing from court. <laughs> yeah, literally. But um, yeah, I mean yeah. that's just what's been on my mind. Other than that, not not too much. We're recording in the daytime. That's yeah, new. Yeah, I, I was going to mention <laughs> that. It's a caffeine vibe. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. Hopefully there won't be any cars in the background any more than usual. Yeah. I'm sure there's a few. I mean, we live on a main road. Yeah. We can't really do anything about it. Yeah. And we don't have the funds to soundproof our room yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> true but um yeah, yeah but you're telling the story this week i am is it I've, uh how you say crazy it's crazy <laughs> you see uh yeah so let's just jump right in the story is about brie leslie and from what i understand this was some requested by somebody i mean it was on our list okay um so i don't know if anyone requested this it must have been a while ago but i think this is a big case um, and it's true crime. It's outside of what I've been doing. So, wow. Yeah, you mean we're not a, jumping out of a plane today? Yeah, I'm just such a typical male. <laughs> Every story I pick is, you know. Anyway, so Brie Lasley 
grew up in a suburb of Salt Lake City called Syracuse, Utah, and was the second of five kids. She had what you consider, might consider a normal life, going to school and playing with her friends while being really close to her family. She really enjoyed school but wanted to postpone going to college and signed up for a home ec class in China. Wow. So, wild move by her. She went there to live for a year and taught English while she was there. She quickly fell in love with traveling and experiencing new cultures. She eventually went to Egypt, Ukraine, and Brazil. This shocked her family because she was such a homebody and wouldn't even go to a sleepover when she was younger. She would want to come back home and sleep in her own bed, which I can relate. Yeah, I was going to say relatable. Hello. Totally. But yeah, she um, she really just changed and uh, really loved getting out there teaching English. And while she was abroad, she was following the Elizabeth Smart story religiously because wow. it happened... Uh, you know, just 30 miles south of where they lived. So she recalls this being the first time that she realized that abductions happen in real life. So this spurred a lot of conversations about safety within her family. And, you know, it was just like a little too close to home, you know, really similar family. They grew up in the same religion and they were so close, like geographically. So this really hit her. So she came back to Utah and was studying to be a dental hygienist, but dropped out to pursue entrepreneurship. And I'm like, this is big props to her because that's such a bold and courageous move to make. Um, But she's following her dreams. (laughs) And um, during this time that she was pursuing entrepreneur... Oh, God. It's okay. (laughs) During this time that she was pursuing entrepreneurship, she lived up the block from her sister, her younger sister, Kaylee, by herself. And after her lease was up, they moved in together. And they lived in this apartment for a couple years before the owner of the apartment unexpectedly sold the property to somebody who wanted to renovate. So they had to move out within a week. And she talked about this uh, in an interview. Um, It seemed like you know, it was annoying, but it did also seem like the owner compensated them for the inconvenience. Oh, so, okay. Well, that's good. You know, it, it was probably just like a really good deal for him. And yeah, sorry, but you know, it, we we made it worth your while. Yeah, I was going to say landlords, man. But I mean, if he made it worth their while, then I guess yeah. that's fine. I don't know if she's being too nice about it, but yeah, it did seem like she was a tad salty about it. I mean, oh, who yeah. wouldn't be? Yeah, exactly. You know, They're but... like, get out in a week. You're like, um, my whole life is here right now. Like, yeah, can't just pick it up in one second. Exactly. But this kind of forced them to have to find a, an apartment really quickly. So they ended up finding this house on 850 South Roberta Street on an apartment rental site for Salt Lake City. Brie was asked if she thought it was a good or bad neighborhood because Makes this a is a survival story yeah. and we're, you know, going to get into some shit. But right. she recalls this thought not even crossing her mind. She didn't even look at the neighbor's house. They were in such a time crunch. Uh, it wasn't on her mind. And she also was kind of put at ease because of the way she grew up. I'm assuming that she was Mormon. It was never explicitly <laughs> stated, okay. but it is Utah and Salt Lake City and... She's religious. And many people are, yes. Yes, and, you know, the predominant religion is Mormonism. Yes. She, um, oh, okay, it does say Mormon temple, duh. There we go. Stupid. (laughs) So there was a Mormon temple just up the block 
and she would see people from her church in the community and she had always thought that no one at church would do anything wrong right right so unbeknownst to her salt lake city has one of the highest crime rates in the nation and it's so high that one in 14 residents will become the victim of a violent crime really i 100 percent did not know that yeah salt lake city yeah i mean you would think I would also assume the same thing as her is like the more religious a community is, the less crime. crime. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too. But I mean, I guess there have been quite a few stories that we've covered that have been in, in Salt Lake or I in don't Utah. Know. I don't know. I don't know what the facts on the ground are, why this is, but it is. That's crazy. Okay. So in a time crunch, they moved in, right? And after a few nights in the new apartment, Kaylee and her boyfriend Blaine went on vacation. Uh, leaving Brie by herself. Brie was actually working on her business to launch. It was an English business learned from her skills studying abroad, teaching English. So she was going to launch it on the coming Monday, and she was working really hard to get it done and would really only leave her house to do small errands that she needed to. Otherwise, she was at home working, putting in those hours on the grind. (laughs) So on September 23rd, 2015, Kaylee decided to come home a day early from her vacation and was on the way home while Brie was working on her business. So just 15 minutes before they came home, Brie thinks that she heard a voice outside her window while she was sitting on her bed responding to emails. But she had the radio on and wasn't sure if she, you know, she just wasn't 100% sure if it was a voice and she talked herself out of it and then went back to working on emails. So Kaylee got home from her trip with her boyfriend Blaine and the voice went away and never didn't come back. So Kaylee unpacked and Blaine left. And then a short time after that, she again heard the voice from coming outside, but this time it was much more clear. And the voice belonged to 48-year-old Robert Berger who had just escaped from a halfway house and had a warrant out for his arrest. No. He had been serving a 14-year prison sentence for kidnapping and attempted murder and was finishing his sentence in a halfway house. So he was released from prison and I'm assuming was on probation in this halfway house but escaped. And Robert had opened her window that was eight feet off of the ground with a broom that he found at a neighbor's house. Just before jumping in, he said, hey girl, I'm coming in. Oh God. And then he ripped the window open and started to come in. Brie froze in terror as a worse nightmare became her reality. She snapped out of her trance and knew that she had to get off of her bed and push him out of the window or else it was going to be really bad news. But by the time that she got up and started running towards the window, he had already flopped into the room. No. And she ran into his chest as he stood up. Oh my god, that is terrifying. Yeah. She was, like, just a few split seconds too late, so he was in her room. Oh, my God. He pushed her up against the bedroom door and told her to shut up and cooperate or he was going to go downstairs to get her little sister. Oh, my God. This was incredibly unnerving, obviously, but it was more unnerving because Bree now knew that this wasn't a random attack. Yeah, he's been watching them. And he's been watching them for some time. This is because everyone used to assume that Kaylee was actually older than her, And the fact that he knew she was younger means that he probably knew something about them and kind of got close to them. Exactly. Oh, my God. The other fact that he knew was that Kaylee's room was downstairs. 
Okay. So this I, is another... I hate this. <laughs> so he knows the layout of the house, too. Amazing. So Bree tried to scream, but it felt like even her vocal cords were frozen, and this is just straight out of a nightmare, Yeah. Right? And didn't know what she would even say if she could talk. So Bree offered him her phone, laptop, and keys, thinking that maybe he just wanted to rob her but he didn't take anything. And now it was clear that the only thing he was here for was her. Oh my God. Her goal immediately became to keep her sister out of it. And she thought that if she could make her way down to the big window in their living room, hopefully somebody would see them and call the police. So she reached up to pull him out of her bedroom and her hands slid off of his long sweaty arm. Ew. And, he and she felt defenseless. She's like, what am I going to do now? Ew, While still I'm sorry. I'm still picturing a sweaty arm. Oh, yeah, please disgusting. try and walk past that. Yeah. Disgusting. So while still covering her mouth, he started punching her in the stomach. And luckily, some sound came out of Brie because Kaylee heard her. And she remembers, like, these are sounds that Brie has never made. And so she, gra she grabbed her phone and bounded up the stairs to Bree's room to see the strange man just towering over her. She immediately started screaming at the top of her lungs and jumped on his back, was trying to claw his eyes out, just kicking and screaming, doing anything she could. So he started to fight the both of them. Whenever he would talk to Bree, it would be in this soft, calming voice that almost made her feel bad for him. What? Yeah, it was... She said it was just a really, like, strange, like, feeling to have because he would, like, when he was making those threats, uh -huh. he was doing it extremely calm. Ew. That's so scary. Yeah. I know. That's so eerie. Yeah. Extremely eerie. Oh, my God. But and, good on Kaylee. I mean, she just hopped right on him and started fighting the shit out of that oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, these two sisters are insane. Insanely strong. Yeah. No, I don't that's... know. I don't know what the word is. No, that's um, that's good. I, I I took the insane as a positive yes. insane. Intense. <laughs> yes. Um, well, <laughs> we'll get to it. Sure. Um, so whenever he would talk to her, it was super calm. But whenever he would talk to Kaylee, it was like intense and venomous. Ew. So, well, I... you know, there's this like this just like kind of. So he clearly came for Brie. Yeah. Right? I, is I that... know, it kind of sounds like he came for the both of them, honestly. Well, right, but I mean, why Why does he have, like, a different demeanor when he talks to each of... It's just confusing. Um, probably and... because Kaylee immediately started attacking him. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but I mean, so did Bree. She ran at him. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it doesn't make sense and it's not going to, but it's, I'm just trying to put myself yeah, there and it's... people who make sense don't break into homes like this. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> So they, you know, they kick punched and clawed at this random man, but he was a lot stronger and bigger than the two of them. Oh he was God. six foot two, 210 pounds. Holy shit. And both of them were, you know, about five, five-ish. I am five, five. That yeah. is so scary. So Holy um, shit. they're a lot smaller than him. Yeah. Bree didn't actually switch from being frozen to fighting back until Robert started hitting Kaylee. And this is what flipped on her fight response. While Kaylee was on his back, Brie was under him on her knees and was just absolutely smashing him in the groin with her elbow and fist. As but you should. But nothing was happening. What? And she remembers this being a moment of just utter confusion because Did she was like, at any self-defense class, if you are getting attacked by a man, you go straight for the for the nuts. Yeah, does this man have like, no dick? Like, hello? Yeah. Is he wearing a cup? Like... I don't know. I don't think so. I think he was likely on drugs. 
Oh. And um, she just remembers being like, anytime I've ever seen a man get hit in the nuts, it was like this big dramatic yeah. thing. And he would be like down for the count for right. like, you know, tens of seconds. Yeah. But nothing was happening. And she's just like, what do I do? Again, like further feeling more and more defenseless. Go for the eyes, baby. The fleshy bits. <laughs> Something. Yeah. I mean, Kaylee already tried that, but try again. Yeah. The fight moved into the kitchen, and there was a moment when Kaylee jumped off of his back, and he used the paws to kick Kaylee in the chest so hard that she flew down the flight of 17 stairs into the basement and didn't touch a single step on the way down. Oh my god. And smacked her head into the <gasps> drywall at the bottom. And she survived that? Yeah. Holy shit. Luckily, it was made of drywall. And because, not like concrete. Because... This was the only wall in the apartment that was made of drywall and had only been put in and finished two days before they moved in. And when they moved in, the paint was still dry. What? The paint was still wet, you mean? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The paint was still dry. (laughs) You said it was such conviction? (laughs) Yeah, so (laughs) I think in my notes I had, like, the paint wasn't dry. dry. Yeah, it was like... It's still wet. There you go. You get the idea. I got it. It was brand new. Sure. Just a stroke of luck, honestly, because if it was concrete, she probably would have cracked her head open. Yeah, Yeah. she would have died. He followed her down, tumbling with Brie down the stairs, and Brie landed on her stomach at the base of the stairs, and the attacker was on top, and they smacked into Kaylee on the way down. So it's just like a... This is insane. Yeah. Uh, We're not halfway, unfortunately. Uh, I'm sorry. I... I just, I'm trying to picture it all, and it's very intense and scary. Holy shit. Yeah, so there's just this swarm of limbs just going down the stairs. Yeah. In this desperate fight. Bria asked Siri to call 911 <gasps> while Robert was still on top of her, but Siri didn't understand the request. Siri, what the fuck? She asked two more times. Each time, Siri did not understand. So, again, this is, like, another thing, I feel like, that would be straight out of a dream. Yeah. You know? You can't scream, and now Siri's like, I don't understand. I can't... It also seems something, like, out of a Jordan Peele movie, Yeah, too. I was... Or I was just gonna say, it seems like something out of a scary movie, and if that happened in a scary movie, I'd be like, come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> her keypad was luckily unlocked, and she started to call her dad before realizing that there wasn't much that he could do. He was 45 minutes away. Oh my god. So frantically, she hung up and was able to dial 911. And she waited until she could see the seconds on her phone start ticking before she started screaming to make sure that it was connected. Yeah. She put her arm up with her phone on the highest stairs she could reach and pointed the speaker back to her and just started screaming their address at the operator as the fight continued. And I have the recording here. What? What key do you want? What is the address of the emergency? What do you want? Hello? What do you want? What do you want? Hello? 83. That's so scary. So she's screaming her address. Yeah. So I wonder if you can tell me what the address is. I couldn't really understand. I heard in the beginning, what do you want? And then I heard just a bunch of jumbled, like, screaming. 
Okay. Yeah, this will be important later. Once he figured out what Bree was doing, he hung up the call, and they tried to call her back, but, you know. She didn't answer. She didn't answer. Right. So Kaylee also managed to call 911 three more times, screaming for help and screaming for her address. And I have a clip of that 911 call. Um, it's not, it's just, you know, a short bit. Ma'am, I can't understand you when you're yelling. Are you kidding? No, that's the part I really wanted to include. He said, ma'am, I can't understand you when you're screaming. Correct. Sir. We're going to talk about this after the story, but um, I want you to remember these calls. Yeah, I, I feel like I won't won't forget them too soon. But, yeah, uh, it's, Jesus, it's just chilling. I mean, you can is. hear, like, the terror in their voice. And, you know, I <clears throat> when I was researching this story, like, at multiple times, just, like, started crying. I was like, this is this is just too real. It's and, you horrifying. Know, put yourself there. You put, you know, anyone you know. Um, so after this flurry of 911 calls, at one point, the attacker actually had both of them in a headlock. And he was asking, who's Siri? And was like looking around upstairs as if somebody was going to come in. Oh, yeah. Because remember, he's been in prison for the last 14 years and had no idea what an iPhone was. Oh, shit. I didn't realize he was in prison for 14 years. Yeah. I'm sure you said that, but I just went right over my head. Yeah. Uh, I think I said it in the beginning. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, you did. I mean, the point here is that like it was just uh, further like unnerving. Like, oh, he's been in prison so long he doesn't understand what's going on. Yeah. I mean, when you said that, I thought my first instinct was like, oh, he's on drugs. Like he... Uh, Maybe he's hallucinating. He's like, where is Siri? You know? No. Yeah. I mean, it's po- quite possible he's on drugs, but in prison too long. Damn. So he, as he had them in the headlock, he looked at them and said, damn, I didn't think you were going to be this strong. Ugh. At this point, Bree was kind of puzzled because Kaylee had stopped making any sound. She didn't know why. And she looked over to realize that the attacker was strangling her. Oh my God. I'll stop saying, oh my God, so much, but like, uh. It's a genuine reaction. <laughs> yeah. So she ran toward him as fast as she could and tackled him into the laundry room, breaking the door and landing on the cement floor. He landed on top of Bree and started punching her with both hands. And the attacker kept yelling that he was going to fucking kill her while Kaylee was hitting him with something she found in the laundry room and saying back at him, no, I'm going to kill you. Holy shit. These girls are really putting up a fight like yeah wow i think that piece really speaks to like how intense and brave she is yeah that's how brave they both are like jesus christ brie had a pause in the onslaught because the attacker wasn't using one of his hands and she turned her body towards uh the shelf in the laundry room to try and reach for a pencil so that she could try and like stab him in the eyes with it and that's when she noticed that the attacker was pulling out an old dirty hunting knife oh god no so brie said calmly that he had a knife knowing that if she seemed frantic it would make the decision for kaylee to leave her and look for help that much harder and she had the forethought to remain calm and say we need more help you need to go and if we don't we'll die And Kaylee wouldn't go, saying, I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you. And she ultimately had to make the gut-wrenching decision to run out of the house to go get more help while her sister is being stabbed. Bree is getting stabbed and Kaylee is... Whoa. I just got full body chills. That is terrifying. And... um, Yeah, wow. Okay. 
Bree said I knew that he was going to kill me, and I didn't want my little sister to watch me be murdered. Oh my god. Okay. (laughs) What do you say to that? Like... Yeah. When Kaylee got to the top of the stairs, she turned the kitchen light on and bolted out the door. And Bree thought that this was the last time she would see her little sister. This is horrible. Gathering myself. (laughs) So the attacker... Stabs Brie in the stomach and legs multiple times, trying to kill her the fastest. I think this was just trying to get at her vital organs, period. I mean, um, the legs were kind of counterintuitive to me, but I remember that, like, the femoral arteries on your groin, so if you hit that, you're pretty much done. Mm -hmm. I learned that through Dexter. After that episode, I've also seen it in other places, Mm -hmm. like in Snowfall. Yeah. He got shot in the leg and bled out. Right, right, right. Such a, I don't know, it's just such a weird fact of the human body, but the this really interesting tidbit about this is that Brie had been on blood thinners due to a rare blood clotting disease for two years prior to this attack. Oh no, that's bad. And four weeks before the attack, her doctor had decided to take her off because she was doing well and it's dangerous to be on blood thinners for too long. And Brie was actually really reluctant to go off because she had already lost her spleen and gallbladder to the clotting, but her mom talked her into trying it and after a week off of the blood thinners, Brie was okay with it. Wow, that is really lucky. Even closer of a call, it takes two weeks for the blood thinners to fully get out of your system. So she went off of it and two weeks passed before this attack. But if she had not made that decision, she would have bled out in a matter of like 30 seconds. Yeah, blood thinner makes you bleed a lot easier. So there's so many lucky and just fortuitous things that happened in this story. Kaylee came home a day early. Yeah. The drywall was in the wall. Right. And this medical decision to go off of the blood thinners, it's just... Who, who, who is this man and why did he, why them? Why is he just like murdering these two girls? What? Mm. I mean, I guess there's no, there's no sense to it if he's just like a, a lunatic, but he just wanted to go into some person's house and murder them for no reason? Yeah, and this was the most unnerving part of it all for Brie, the most traumatic. Yeah. While he was stabbing her, he was saying that he was going to kill her and rape her dead body and then do the same to Kaylee. I have nothing to say. That's horrible. There is nothing to say. Yeah. As he stood up after stabbing her, he said that he was going to go get Kaylee. Oh my god. And Brie said that this was the last thing that she was going to let him do as long as she was still on this earth. And she, with multiple stab wounds and blood spurting out of her, ran up the stairs as he was leaving and pulled him back down to the ground. He fell down with his legs spread out on the ground and with Brie kneeling in the middle of them, holding his arms. She actually started telling him to talk to her, let me help you you know nothing about me. And she thought that if he knew who she was, maybe he would like her and regret doing this. And I don't know, I think this just speaks to the good nature that she has, but he obviously didn't care. He was just hunting her and she was nothing to them. And this is something that really shattered her self-esteem. She went through this course of emotions in a split second, but she also said that for a moment that she felt love for him because someone somewhere must love him. 
and it was she said that she usually doesn't talk about that detail because of you know it might get misrepresented or misinterpreted but this is something that she felt in that moment wow i mean i i can't say anything about that because i obviously have never experienced anything like that but that is that is weird yeah i mean i don't know i think this is just a show of radical kindness on her part yeah like, just like empathy i empathy. guess yeah, I don't, she's extremely empathetic that's really i don't think many people would feel that way wow okay so also while this is happening she also had this idea that she said kind of popped into her head like a powerpoint presentation all at once she figured that if she could tell him that there was a thousand dollars in a shoebox in Kaylee's room she might be able to get him into Kaylee's room and into the closet and while he was looking for it because it doesn't exist she would lock the closet behind him and then lock the door and that would give her enough time to go upstairs so she told him like hey there's a bunch of money in a shoebox in my sister's room but he said no I'm going to kill you instead Oh my god. He picked up a suitcase and started beating her with the suitcase. So he knocked her down to the ground and pinned her to the floor, sitting on top of her. He reached his knife up and tried to stab her a couple times, but he kept missing into the suitcase. And even was frustrated and said out loud, why isn't this working? And Bree remembers thinking, I don't know, but don't jinx it and shut up. <laughs> he then said twice that he was going to stab her in the head and missed two more times, grazing her head with his knuckles. And he got up angry that nothing was working and picked Brie up with her feet dangling and held the knife to her throat. And Brie said that she gave up at this point. She was so tired and didn't know what else to do. And for a moment, she just kind of resigned herself. And then she heard a voice in her head telling her to keep fighting. And she kicked pushing them back into the laundry room and the attacker fell to the ground and her back was on his chest. He basically bear hugged her with his legs and one arm, leaving the other to put the knife next to her throat again. And his lips were pressed against her ear. He whispered that he couldn't wait for her to be dead so that he could go find Kaylee. This is pure evil. I have, I mean, this is a monster. Yeah. I, my brain can't even wrap my head. I can't even wrap my brain around this. There's just nothing but violence. There's in just this man. nothing but violence and hatred and evil. And it just like feels in my core like it evil. Like I, I don't. Oh my God. Yeah. My mouth has just been open this entire time. I just can't. I can't shut my jaw. Like. Yeah. Bree said that he could kill her, but please don't kill my sister. And he flexed his arm to slit her throat while Brie was trying to pull his arm away. And she moved her neck to dodge it. And it was in this moment that she saw two pairs of shoes coming down the stairs. So remember Kaylee. Yeah, we she, remember Kaylee. Yes. She had ran outside and was screaming at the top of her lungs for help. Neighbors were pouring out of their homes to see what was going on, and eight other 911 calls were placed with different interpretations of what was going on, but all asked to send help. As she was explaining what was happening to one neighbor, she saw a police officer walking toward her from behind her house. Officer Ben Hone was responding to another incident that was a couple miles away from them, but had heard Kaylee's screams so clearly from 
from three blocks away that he decided to immediately come investigate. Kaylee led the officer into their home and directly to where Bree was, telling him to not turn on any of the lights and to be quiet so that they could get the element of surprise on the attacker. Right. So Ben Hone's sharp, powerful voice pierced the room. Salt Lake City police dropped the knife, and he warned the attacker three more times to drop the knife, but the attacker told the officer to step back or he would stab Bree again, holding the knife out, and in doing so, he held his arm out, and half of his face moved out from behind Bree's as he was reaching up to, like, threaten to stab her. Ben Hone fired a single shot directly into the attacker's nose, killing him instantly. Holy shit. That is a ballsy move. You better have really good aim to be doing that shit with her head right there. He fucking killed him. Oh my god. So, Bree felt him die, calling it an experience that no one deserves. Whoa. But she was finally safe. I'm just... After all that. I'm just, like, awestruck. I don't even know. So you were asking, like, why? Yeah. We don't really know, because he's dead. Okay. Well, I mean, I I guess that's good. I mean, I'm, I'm glad it's him and not them. Right. You know? Yeah, and, you know, Brie had conflicting feelings about this because she said, you know, it was necessary. It was the only option. Yeah. But, you know, obviously you don't want no, anyone to die. I mean, especially someone who's so empathetic and so, like, so much of a loving person that they could feel love for the person that is attempting to murder them for absolutely no reason. Of course she struggles with that. And the fact that she was like, she felt like that's, I have never even thought of someone feeling someone else die. It like struck a chord with me because that's horrifying. Yeah. I mean, because she had to. (sighs) No, of course. He's holding her. Unwrap herself. It makes sense. But I've just never even thought of that. And that's that's horrifying in its own right and the reason that they were so quiet while approaching him is for this specific reason because he pointed the gun and pretty much once you like say salt lake city police and he makes the threat back at you you can't move any closer so i mean what i mean if think about it like oh because i'm like i'm gonna stab her if you move closer right 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 right. they said he was about eight feet away so i mean it's pretty close it's pretty close but but i mean still you gotta be sure yeah you gotta have real good aim I mean, that's really lucky. And the fact that eight other calls were made and they made multiple calls and the only police officer that was around was someone who was responding to a different call three blocks away. Yeah, we will get to that. (laughs) Yeah, I figured. I think it was because he had good aim, but, you know, it could also be really lucky. Who cares? I mean, I'm sure it was the good aim, but also... motherfucker's dead. Yeah, some luck. Brie got up with blood spurting out of her and actually tried to hug the officer. (sighs) Oh my God. But he was corralling her away, like, you need to go get into the ambulance, like, you need to go to the hospital. Right. She reunited at the top of the stairs with her sister. Good. The fight had lasted for about six minutes. Wow, that is a long fight. To be fighting with all of your strength and being for six minutes? Exhausting. That is insane. I mean, it's so quick, but it's also, like, so long. Yeah, I mean felt like an eternity yeah i mean even listening to it it felt like an eternity that entire exchange happened in six minutes that's crazy 
which is, I can't fathom. It just seems like so much longer. Yeah. So Bree said that she still thought she was going to die. She said, I had already been stabbed. I was starting to black out and I was so tired. She fell to the ground, but was rushed to the hospital and they treated her wounds. She was stabilized fairly quickly while she was in the hospital. And at this point, she thought that her fight was over, but she said that really it was just the beginning. A detective came and told her while she was in the hospital that there's no reason you should be alive. People don't survive this. And if only all girls would fight like you girls. So apparently, you know, this is far too common that people don't make it to the hospital. Yeah, I mean, people I don't mean, even people get, get attacked all the time. Yeah. But they really put up a fight. I have no words. I'm just <laughs> trying to make sense of it in my head, but it's not going to make sense. So Right. So she went home that Wednesday and thought that she would go back to work on Monday, but she couldn't even function for six months. Miss Ma'am. You think you're going back to work on Monday and it's a Wednesday? Well, remember, she's starting a business and she's a oh. go-getter. I mean, she she's doing it all. I mean, I she forgot. went to like four different countries and taught English, dropped out of college to start her own business. She goes after it. Oh, yeah. I know? mean, <laughs> clearly she goes after it. But I, I did forget that she was starting a business. Oh, that's so sad. She felt immense survivor guilt. You know, why did I get a second chance when so many don't? And this was coupled with a feeling of powerlessness and that she couldn't fight back hard enough against her attacker. Oh my gosh. And she couldn't go anywhere or do anything. She was perpetually anxious about interactions with people. She always thought, what if somebody approaches me? How do I protect myself? Yeah. You know, how do you trust anyone ever again? I mean, I... I how could you? And she could only sleep on her parents' couch during the day. She had her brother or father stay up with her through the night, and it would be almost a year before she could sleep in a bedroom. That's so sad. She pulled herself out of it though, right? She does. Good. It would be almost a year before she could sleep in a bedroom, and Bree said that she would rather relive the attack and get stabbed all over again rather than face the depression that she lived through and sometimes wished that she had died in the attack. Fuck. That... That is some brutal shit. What haunted her further was the fact that she found out that the 911 dish patch had never actually sent any police units from their calls and had utterly failed her. What? Yes. They didn't send a single unit. Yeah. And they had like over 10 calls between Bree and Kaylee and all the neighbors. I don't know all the details, which we will lay out shortly. Let's it's, just get into it. Yeah, well, I, I want to finish up with her recovery. Oh, okay. So Bree was sick and tired of not being the ambitious, hardworking person that she was before the attack. And one day she was sitting in her bedroom at one in the afternoon, just laying in bed, paralyzed with depression. Then she had the thought out of nowhere, he's dead. He literally can't hurt me. The only person hurting me now is me. She put her running shoes on and went on her first run since the attack and said that it was the most empowered she had ever felt was on that run. And from that day forward, she slowly began to get her life back. What really helped her was the realization that nothing was her fault that the problem was the deranged man coming through the window and not her, and this helped give her the space to heal. She eventually went on to speak at multiple events and start the BIA movement, which is a movement to help girls in self-defense, and they sell like self-defense products and t-shirts, and it's at fightlikegirls.org. At the end of this all, Bree said she was actually thankful 
for her experience since it made her more empathetic to mental illness and emotional trauma going having gone through it herself yeah i like that fight like girls yeah org it's really cool she's an entrepreneur she i think this is her this is her business and uh, you know go check it out she's back uh to being the go-getter that she is yeah and everyone should take a self-defense course or something you know like it's especially as a woman i mean men too but like women are especially vulnerable sometimes and it's or most of the time but uh yeah i don't know if you have the means do it because it's important i don't think it's that expensive yeah, um, and I mean, she said that you know it doesn't have to be like you're in a class. It, it can be other smaller things, you know. For sure, and Just, there's YouTube videos out there of like you know ways to protect yourself like if someone bear hugs you from behind like this is what you can do and you can just practice at home like you don't even have to have anyone bear hugging you to practice it's just muscle memory so right just you know put yourself in the best best uh scenario yeah she was saying also that even if you kind of go through what you would do if somebody broke in mentally Mm -hmm. it saves you a lot of time because if you have never thought about it you're gonna be spending time freaking out and thinking of what you're going to do yeah so she said you know it doesn't have to be a class but if somebody's bear hugging you what do you do just knowing that is gonna help you so much in that situation or hey i'm gonna go to the kitchen and grab a knife or something like that for sure if you kind of already have a plan in your head definitely reacting is going to be way quicker 100 i actually was just listening to a podcast last night on my way home from work that was talking about this exact thing where if you're in a situation where like you feel unsafe or even just in everyday life you think about the worst possible outcome like the worst case scenario and then in your head you let that play out and see what your response would be or like what you could what your response could be that way if the worst thing happens you're not gonna freeze because you already played it out in your head and you know what you can do like you know what your options are so that's a really good thing to practice i think i'm gonna start practicing that and i don't think that that's like a an unhealthy thing to do i don't know i think it's i think it's naive to like walk around the world and be like nothing's gonna happen to me today like i'm totally fine obviously in most cases like you will be fine throughout the day and you don't want to be scared walking through your life all the time but i think it is important to have a healthy level of like awareness and knowing that there is very dangerous people out there and like knowing what you're what you're capable of and what you can do yeah and Bree says something similar she said that you shouldn't i forget exactly what her quote was but it, it was something like you shouldn't be like paralyzed by fear but you should use it yeah you exactly know? it's a rational 100 percent fear mm-hmm. and you know you don't have to be anxious all the time but if you plan it out in your head that helps you kind of release that because you know what you would do absolutely always be so aware of your surroundings it's so important okay so we need to get to what happened with this yeah. 911 call. let's do it so there were actually concerns raised prior to the incident that their protocols were too strict in order to send police and five years after the incident Bree has actually brought a civil suit against uh, priority dispatch and the international academies of emergency dispatch for gross negligence the international academy of emergency dispatch is a nonprofit that sets the standards for protocols in emergency situations so i guess their job is to say okay if somebody's drowning in a car what do you tell them over the phone and just an average 911 operator is not going to know how to deal with every situation sure, like, how do i tell some training. Yeah, yeah how do i tell somebody how to do cpr yeah. or put on a tourniquet 
it. Right. These types of things. So they set the protocols and priority dispatch is a software that 911 dispatchers use, which is based off of these protocols set by the International Academies of Emergency Dispatch. Right. <laughs> um, the owner of priority dispatch helped found the International Academies. I'm just going to say IAED. Sure. So the owner of Priority Dispatch helped to found the IAED, which set the protocols. So Bree's suing for gross negligence, claiming that the protocols used were too rigid and would punish dispatchers for going off of their intuition. Um, Since they didn't get any answers to the scripted questions from the software, they could not dispatch police. What? This is her claim. This is murky. Because the dispatchers themselves are not employed by Priority Dispatch. They're employed by Salt Lake City 911. The Priority Dispatch software is kind of like Excel. It's just a software that they use. So in a press conference, they explain what the 911 system is. And initially, I was really pissed off at this company. Mm -hmm. But it's less clear to me after watching that press conference that it was entirely their fault. Because I don't know if the 911 dispatchers could understand what they were saying or understand the address. Mm -hmm. And this is the key point that I don't understand and would change it one way or the other for me. Apparently, what happens in a 911 call is there's other systems that try to get your location from a cell tower right because it used to be if you called from a landline they would have your address immediately yeah but since you can move around with a cell phone it's harder to kind of pinpoint where you are because they have to ping the nearest cell tower and they can get kind of close but i think that they said it was about 300 yards and even then even if they do get a location it's not all the time they said that 70 to 80 percent of calls that they get will come through without a location. In this instance, they said that the location did not come through as far as they know. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have somewhere to send them. And now it was kind of up to the dispatcher Mm -hmm. to find out where they were. So that's why I played that for you. And um, I kind of wanted to not say what they were actually saying to see if you can um, understand understand it. it. Yeah. But both the owner and president of Priority Dispatch said that they listened to the 911 calls and said that they couldn't decipher what the address is. However, I disagree. Mm. And it might be because I read the the address yourself. I know yeah. what the address they're saying is, but Honestly, it seemed pretty clear to me, especially if you are able to replay it. And the conclusion that I kind of came to was that it was probably the dispatcher's fault for not understanding or taking action on it. And you can hear the dispatcher tell Kaylee to calm down and you can't, like what? I don't forget exactly I what I said. I can't understand you when you're screaming or something yeah. like that. Like We're being attacked. <laughs> like, like We're being attacked. You have, can you not understand what's going on? Like, it's it's just so, I don't know, maybe they're desensitized, but that really pissed me off. This is your job. Mm -hmm. These people are being murdered. You shouldn't waste time saying, I can't understand you when you're screaming because that's not helpful. They're not going to stop screaming. They're being murdered. Right. Ask for the address again. Right. It's like, like, I understand like the whole situation where like if they couldn't understand Kaylee or whatever or Brie um, giving their addresses, that's one thing and that's a problem and they can't necessarily ping it. Sure, I get that. But if eight other people 
called 911 and requested help and they said there is a girl standing outside screaming this is my address even if they didn't give her address because they didn't know it they said this is my address and this is where this is happening someone should have been sent 100 100 like there's and no reason nothing should have been done yeah to be fair lisa burnett the director of salt lake city 911 said in a statement that police had been sent in response to a call from leslie's neighbor um they reported that their home had just been burglarized and police were on their way, Burnett said, when dispatchers received the calls from Leslie. Um, she said she said that the police arrived at Leslie's home, quote, within minutes, and that Officer Ben Hone was among the officers who had been sent to the area to investigate the earlier burglary. She said, we strive to provide excellent service to members of the public, and we recognize that there is always room for improvement. However, in this circumstance, we feel that the system worked as intended. However, I don't know if this is true, because this is contradicted by almost every other source that I've read that mm. said Ben Hone was in the area for a separate... Yeah disturbance exactly and i don't have access to the court documents mm -hmm. so i don't really know everything so i'm just trying to like get the bits that i can get out and from what i could gather Bree's lawyer michael young had written that police were not sent because kaylee and Bree did not answer a set of predetermined and scripted questions so i feel that it comes down to did this software prevent them from sending somebody because they didn't have a specific address and did they understand the address? Hmm. And I honestly think that if they could understand the address, then the case can be made. But if they can't, I mean, I feel like it's their fault too. Because I don't, how can you not understand that if you're replaying it? And then you get four more calls. You gotta try. And you gotta, like, if, they, if they're able to ping it at some point, even if it's not, like, direct, you still gotta do something. Like, you yeah. hear people that are screaming and clearly in distress and need of help... You gotta do something. I have no idea. I don't understand why in 2021 you can like drop a pin to anyone right, in a text but you message, can't... but you can't get your location to 911. Right. What are we doing yeah, here? Yeah, they're tracking us for everything else, but not yeah. 911. So the NSA can find you better than this. This yeah. is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just an absolute outrage. What a failure this was. And um, I'm sorry, I was just thinking about the fact that Snapchat knows where we are, but not 911. Yeah, <laughs> snap me. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's insane. I don't know. So, yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, you, you, you can't know the full yeah. story until you get into the court documents. But, you know, I think that the blame kind of lands on the on the dispatchers, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, because you can also hear in the first call when Bree connected, the operator is like, hello, like annoyed. It honestly, to me, felt like an overworked customer service representative, agent yeah. representative, like who's annoyed answering a call. It, it was just really infuriating. And then, you know, if, if this officer wasn't there, they would have died. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's just kind of a question mark, I guess. Yeah. I really wanted to have a clear cut, like answer person yeah. to hate, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's murky and I don't have all the details, yeah. but but goddamn, were they were they fighting? Yeah. So they did not give up for anything. And the, I mean, just like the officer said, like, on, if only everyone would fight like they do. Like yeah. their spirit is so strong. Yeah. And um, yeah. Uh, Bree talks about it all the time, and she says that she doesn't like doing it, but it's important mm -hmm. to get it out there and kind of get the message. And she thinks, you know, even if it helps. 
you know, one person, it's worth it. Absolutely, so, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's extremely, extremely taxing to relive that. And I, I watched, um, like, a big source for this story was an interview that she did with, um, I think it's uh, Houston Crime Stoppers. It was some local kind of journalism. It's, like, super hard to relive it, but it's it's worth it. And she kind of went through the whole story in that in a, in a podcast with um, the Houston Crime Stoppers, which is where I got most of my information. So, I mean, she does that all the time that's really i mean she just continues to be strong like that's incredibly inspiring and not only that but she pulled herself back on her feet and like made a name for herself in her business and things like that so it's it's just incredible they're two very incredible women yeah and uh that is the story of brie lasley and kaylee lasley really too damn so well good job telling your your first true crime story yeah. How I, do you feel? This researching this story it was so hard. Yeah. Um that was a rough know. one. It was really rough. I yeah, I got really emotional like every time I, I listened to it, so I really did this over a long period of time. I just yeah. couldn't I couldn't take like multiple hours of it. No, it's taxing. It's definitely taxing. Um yeah, I when things like that when I hear things like this, like if I really tried to put myself there and i like pictured myself with my little sister i would have i would have broken down in a second but you know when i'm listening to things like this i just i I keep my brain at a a nice distance you know yeah Yeah, i mean it's it's crazy yeah i kind of i had to like i don't know i hope i don't sound too like dead tone during the really emotional parts of this because however we cut this like i definitely cried through (laughs) some of uh, it some parts of it (laughs) that i don't think we can (laughs) Like, you can't really understand me, but it's like, yeah, I I thought I would kind of get desensitized from researching it, but mm-hmm. I, it just, you can't. We're still human. I am still human, yeah. so. Um, anyway, yeah. what's, what's your, your what's your good thing? You beat me to <laughs> <Jinx>. it? <laughs> um, yeah, my good thing uh, this week is that we have our friend, Lauren, coming in from Oregon. Yeah. Oh, wait, can I say where she's from? I mean, she's not from Oregon, but she I was know. in Oregon. But yeah, she's moving back to LA, and it's very exciting. Yeah, uh, excited to see her, uh, and it'll be fun. Yeah, to she's going like, to stay with some, us. Do some dumb shit. Yeah, <laughs> do some dumb shit. Uh, yeah, so that'll be really fun. Uh, my good thing... I guess my good thing could be that we uh, finished Handmaid's Tale. Oh, we did. It was a uh, really good season. Yes, it is also very heavy very heavy this season was like especially heavy yeah i mean they're all extremely heavy but this one i feel like (laughs) took a toll on me more oh yeah but if you stayed this long i'm assuming you like fucked up shit so go watch it it's great exactly like fucked up stuff (laughs) exactly um yeah it was it's just watch it yeah it's just as good as any of the seasons if not the best season in my opinion yeah it was really good so damn anyway thank you guys so much for listening uh we hope you come back for the next one and if you'd like to look at all the pictures that we post for all the stories we talk about check us out on instagram at not today underscore podcast if you have a story of your own that you'd like to share oh also if you have a story of like a haunting if you have a ghost story spooky that you'd like to share with me and potentially have read um for for like a special spooky halloween episode please send me your ghost stories um we really want to do that uh and we have a tiktok not today podcast and just keep breathing yeah yeah